All right. Hey, it's so great. I love taking those moments to preach. And if you guys know, I'm a little more preach than I am I, than I am teach, depending on what allows me. But hey, I'm going to preach today. So I tell you, there is for such a time as this that we are here. And I literally was praying until 2 a.m. last night for this service. I don't know if I was uh, jacked up on Holy Spirit or on Mountain Dew. I'm not quite sure what it was, but I was going for it. And I just believe today is going to be a day that we're going to be able to see God do some incredible things. God's got something in store for you today. And we're so grateful. We are one church, multiple locations. Pastor Rob, who is an absolute, our, our lead pastor and leader and a blessing and a gift to me and our team and us as the church. He loves giving these weekends away so the campus pastor can share. And typically you'd find him, if this is your first time here, you'd find Pastor Rob on the screen, but, and with some other guests, but they get... But then, of course, the campus pastor gets to share, and we need to share. And we have a chance to, to be able to be a blessing today. So, so grateful to Pastor Rob for the opportunity and the, and the opportunity for us to be able to get to share as campus pastors at all of our locations. If you were with us last week, we started a series in Daniel, and Pastor Rob kind of set it up about how as Christians we are called to stand out, stand up, and stand strong. And today we're going to unpack a little bit of what it means to stand out as a Christian, to stand out as a believer. Now, I know there's been times when we love to stand out. If you're a star athlete, you know what it's like to stand out. Pastor Matt, killing it in basketball, always going in, standing out, dropping threes when at any place on the court. You know what I'm saying? He knows how that goes. For some of you, you creatively stand out. You create that work of art. You're that photographer. You're that, you're, you're that creative person. For me, I always stand out because I'm the loudest everywhere I go. Everyone always says, take it down a notch or two. And that's just how it's done. And I love being able to stand out. I am, I am an extrovert. If you, for all my extroverts in the house, you know who you are. You're just like, I feel you. And then the introverts are like, God, don't, please, God, don't let me stand out anywhere. I just want to, like my wife, she just like, she's like, I just like to chill. It's fine. I chill. I get to chill in the back and cheer you on. And hey, it's great. And I, one of the ways that I love standing out is, and it made me think of, a, of something that happened a few years ago, is I basically, we were doing a ministry out with this church and I had the opportunity to be able to do some ministry with this church. And in this community I was ministering in, there was a parade that was going on. And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to commandeer a parade in Ferris Bueller, the parade. And so what did I do? I threw myself into the parade. I started going out in this parade and I was waving at the people, throwing candy to the kids. It was the time of my life. It was so fun. And I had the chances. I'm waving and pretty soon, you know, the parade people are like, who is this guy? And I'm waving at him. They were waving. We're having a good time. And then slowly I realized, they realized I wasn't there and I completely slowly backed away and uh, blended into the crowd. But hey, you know what? I put it on the bucket list of commandeering a parade. It's fine. It's the way it's done. So that was really fun. And then, um, but we, those are moments that we love to stand out and those moments you don't love to stand out. And you know what that's like when you go to those houses and for some reason, the bathroom's on the main floor and it's right there off the living room and you have to somehow transition into bathroom and you're like, oh great, now what do I do? Because I didn't plan on the bathroom experience being this kind of an experience and you're like searching for some sort of a I don't want to stand out spray to make sure that you don't stand out. So you know what that's like and you're just like, 
like, oh, dang it, you know, why did they have to put the bathroom right there? So you know what it's like to stand out and until you don't want to stand out. We know what that's like, but I'm here to tell you this, is God wants to, you to stand out. And whether or not you are feeling it, whether or not you want to know it, whether or not you know it or not, there's going to come a moment in your life when you're supposed to stand out. And there's going to come a moment, and that's the Christian tension that we face, which is we will all find ourselves in a spot in environments where God is calling you to stand out. And that's what we're talking about in Daniel, that there's a moment when God is saying, hey, Daniel, you are called to stand out. And we're gonna be unpacking that Daniel story a little bit more today. And I want you to know, anytime you read in the Bible about Babylon, Babylon is always that, it's a, it's a spiritual metaphor for the secular age. We're talking about the culture and ungodly, so to speak, culture and there's a belief system of Babylon that is that is part of what people um, adhere to and believe culturally and then there is um, the the people of God and you're finding this tribe of Judah in our story of Daniel today that there's the tribe of Judah there's the, the the community of Judah it's the people of God Babylon over overwhelms it and next thing you know you find that being, loving God in a culture when it used to be so easy suddenly becomes a lot harder because Babylon's in charge, it seems. Babylon's in control. Babylon, what Babylon believes about the unborn, the authority, the honor, the education, the marriage, and what the, what believes about the rest of the world will many times stand in opposition to what God believes about the unborn, authority, honor, education, merit, and the rest of the world. But God placed Daniel there and God's placing you there. Come on, somebody. I said, God's placing Daniel there. That means he's gonna place you there. Okay, so that's what we're gonna talk about today. And so I just wanna pray right now before we go. And I'm just declaring over you that no matter where you're at, man of God, that you that suddenly you find yourself president of a company and you're wondering, how did I get here? You're, what, what, for you, that, 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 that educator in here and, you, and you're running an educational facility and you're the lead principal teacher at the educational center where you're at teaching young people. You find yourself in the community where you're in the medical community and you're wondering, how am I supposed to navigate medical community? You're finding yourself in a business and you are in charge of people. You're in charge of sales teams. You find yourself in a place where you're at the school and you're a teenager and you're wondering and you're in your neighborhood and your community going, how do I, 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 I I'm, I'm calling, you're seeing yourself stand out in front of your friends and you're finding yourself seeing your friends choose Babylon and you're supposed to choose God and it's getting harder and harder, you find yourself, mom, in the middle of your neighborhood and all the moms and you see yourself living in the neighborhood and you're raising your kids and you find yourself wondering, how am I supposed to lead my family? Dads, how are you leading your family? Career woman, like my wife Heidi, who was a career woman working in the business world as well. For many of you, you're just like, God is calling me to stand out and I'm declaring over you, you can do it. You can do it. You're called to it. You're called to it. You're called for such a time as this. You've been placed in this time, in this season, for this hour. You're called to it. It's not by chance that you've been placed in this city during, during a pandemic, in the outbreak, surrounded by riots. It's not by chance. God knew it. And we're going to find out why you're necessary in this time and in this season. 
We're gonna find out, young professional, how you found yourself here today wondering, how did I get here today? And am I really, do I really have a purpose and a call in my life? Am I really supposed to make a difference? Yup, you're supposed to. Now, Jesus, we declare all this, we prophesy it, we believe it. We're calling out an anointing to step into the Daniel season. We're asking for the anointing to come upon the, the young, the children, the young men and women of God, the dads and the moms, the nurses, the doctors, the businessmen, the teenagers, the go kids. We're asking for that anointing to rise to their Daniel authority that you have. We declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, guys. God's going to speak to you. You know he's speaking to you already. You know he's speaking to you already. Thanks, Jeremy. I love being able to preach. It's so good. Okay, let's unpack this story quick. We've got 20 minutes to unpack this, all right? Now, here's the deal. If you know Babylon and you know the story of Daniel in Babylon, then guess what? This is going to be refreshed. But maybe we can give you some more information and we can get you caught up from last week. But our story takes place in Babylon and Babylon was called Gate of the Gods. Babylon literally means Gate of the Gods because there is a secular, cultural, um, spiritual atmosphere that is highly idolatrous. Babylon is a big it's a big area, a powerful area, and King Nebuchadnezzar was the leader over this city that is called Gate of the Gods. Now, Babylon is not a fictitious place. Here's what I love about the Bible is that when you read about the Bible, you can find historical evidence of all of these places. And as a matter of fact, Babylon was known as one of the seventh wonders of the seven wonders of the world for their hanging their hanging gardens would be hanging out there and it's because Nebuchadnezzar's wife wanted, she was from a different place and she missed all of the lush greenery and so King Nebuchadnezzar built for his queen these hanging gardens. How many of you guys are going to Home Depot after this? You're gonna go get some hanging gardens for your wife. There, I deposited an idea for you. But they have this hanging and the dads are like, please don't do that to me today. Yeah, exactly. But there is this hanging garden. So it was known as the seventh one of the world. People knew about it. Everybody celebrated this place. And then there's the country of Judah. Now, Judah had a godly king named Josiah, which you've read about in the Bible. He brought revival to the land. It was amazing. Well, suddenly, the people begin to turn. Things begin to take a turn for the worse. And next thing you know, Nebuchadnezzar is taking over Judah. And what happens is, is he goes in, and, and not only did they conquer it, but there was a puppet king in place, and this puppet king that was there during the time was Jehoiakim. Now, he's in the Bible. Now, Jehoiakim was trying to keep the peace, and Nebuchadnezzar would constantly, Israel was forced to pay tribute to keep the peace financially. And they would, be not, they would keep the peace by giving money and servants to Babylon. And, of course, in that time, Jehoiakim said, all right, it's time. We got to, Nebuchadnezzar's asking for more servants. So I'm going to ask you, he goes, Nebuchadnezzar says, I want the best and the brightest of the people of God. And how many of you guys know when you're the best and the brightest, then guess what? God's going to, God is going to, everyone's always going to see you and notice you. And that's for some reason God has put you there. And guess what? That's what happens. Nebuchadnezzar goes out and he goes, I want Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he takes them. And those men, along with many other, they march for three months, over 900 miles, to be thrust and dropped into the middle of Babylon. Once surrounded, we're, we're following God, is the center of everything to where God is nowhere to be found. 
to be able to go into place where we can, we can liken it to there was a time and a place when Christianity was the center of everything and everybody went to church and everybody did Sunday school and everybody was doing Christianity and now all of a sudden we find ourselves living in 2020 that Christianity is not the center of culture anymore. It's moved to the fringe. And the reason why it's in the fringe is because the Babylon has come in and, and it's made itself the center. And now as Christians, we're like, I feel like I'm thrust into this, that, into this culture and this community where now all of a sudden you find yourself at work surrounded by an environment where all of a sudden you are seeing yourself, you're seeing you saying, Christianity is not welcome here. Christianity is not celebrated here. Christianity is not lifted up here. God is not valued. Jesus Christ is not celebrated here. As a matter of fact, it's very not celebrated here. Wherever those environments are, so you can relate to what Daniel's going through. So let's, let's get everybody up to speed. Daniel chapter one, verse one through three, let's dig in. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylon and placed them in the treasure house of God. Then the king ordered as Phinez, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and the other noble families who've been brought to Babylon as captives. Go back into that, into that text. It says, the Lord gave him victory over Judah. How many of you guys know that when that happens, sometimes, you know that sometimes the, politicals, the political people in power are put there by God? Sometimes the political people in power are put there that guy that sometimes that you think you're voting to put a president in. You think you're voting to put a Democratic governor in or a Republican president. How many guys know that maybe God has put certain people and, and authority and, and, and political people in place and, and to, to do what God says, which is this, the Lord gave him a victory politically to rule over you because I'm fulfilling a purpose. Isn't it interesting that in the midst of all of that, you can see that and say, okay, wow. Okay, you know what? God is in the midst of this. And that when you're in a time when we're seeing the, the political authority of a Republican president and a Democratic governor and wherever you align, because politics, unfortunately, is real in this day and age, we have to think about that God is still in charge of things and God puts people in places and he puts the right people in place because God is doing something right now. I said God is doing something right now. In the midst of our city, in the midst of, in the midst of what's going on in Minneapolis, of all the things that are going on, God God is doing something and you're smack dab in the middle of it like a Daniel. And you're in the middle of going, what's my play? What do I do? And you find yourself looking at this saying, you know what? Maybe I have a prophetic voice in this. That even though the plans that I have, in, that I was thinking of how things should be run, maybe you're like a Daniel and God's plopped you in the middle of, of, of political unrest and, and, a, and a siege of sorts on culture. And you're supposed to be a prophetic voice like a Daniel and be the prophetic voice of reason. Let's find out. Because you know what? Daniel found himself like an exile. And I'm telling you, we just celebrated grads. Do you know what it's like for the grads? Some of you guys that are graduating and, you're in the, and you, you come from this beautiful Christian home, from this great Christian youth group, and you're going to either, you know, into your university or maybe some of you go to a, sec, a Christian university and all of a sudden you find yourself dropped in the middle of, 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 of a corporate America 
and you're trying to find your way and you find yourself very similar like a Daniel in exile where nothing of Christ is celebrated. You know what? God, maybe God gave you that job. Maybe God puts you in that place. Maybe God has called you into that place so that you can go in there and make a difference and be a prophetic voice and to be able to, be able to speak. Maybe God has called you to speak to kings like what Daniel did. Let's see what happens. Maybe God has put you there. It says in verse eight and nine, it says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Here's what happens. Daniel goes there. He takes the next three years to be taught what it means to be Babylonian. He speaks no longer Hebrew. He's forced to pre speak Aramaic. He's forced to speak a different language. He's forced to know a different culture. To learn about, he, had to, he was forced to learn about magician, astrology, all these other kind of things that were, that were the garden of the gods, the doorway of the gods. And he's sitting there, wanting, you know, modern day version, he He's sitting there on a Zoom call, forced to be able to have to learn things he never had to learn before, forced to be, if he doesn't choose this, what happens? If he doesn't align with this person or that person, what happens to him? And he's in the middle, he's, they're in the middle of this learning this kind of thing. And, and Daniel, in this context, is, I love what happens in this context, is he was supposed to eat the food because when you prepare food, it was sacrificed to um, the, the God that was there at the time of the many gods. And if you ate the food, you were eating the fruit of the sacrifice of that, of that God. And so you were like, oh, thank you, God. And it was, the, it was a God of fertility. It was a God of, that was about the cycles of the sun and the moon and eating it would have been a, um, they sacrificed it from the God saying, eat this. And Daniel's like, I don't wanna consume that. I don't feel like I'm supposed to consume this. Now he's starting to stand out. And I love what it says in this verse. God had given, in verse um, eight and nine, at verse nine it says, now God had given the chief of staff respect and affection for Daniel. Well, actually, let's go for the first one. It says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself. Do you know determined not to defile? That word determination in Hebrew literally means to make up your mind, to decide, to be firm in purpose. Daniel determined not to defile himself. I'm telling you, the more that you begin to understand your purpose, your reason, your why of why you are at the school you're at in Colorado, the reason why you got y'all, you're at the business that you chose to build because God gave you a vision of why you chose to be working in the medical community at the nursing home that you're wondering, what's my purpose? If you're in the business world wondering right now, why am I here? You need to get a hold of your purpose that's found in God because Psalm 139 says, before you ever breathed a breath, before you ever lived a day, Psalm 139 says, he knew you before you were born and every single day you were gonna live, he knew. That's why when you go into place and you say, what school am I, am I gonna go to, am I gonna go to Arizona and go to Grand Canyon College, Grand Canyon University? Am I gonna go to North Central? Am I gonna go to U of M? You should be finding it. When you apply for jobs as a young professional, where are you gonna go means everything. Because when you find out your purpose, you're saying, God, how are you gonna use me? Esther, these men were 15, 16, 17 years old. Young people, they were thrust into Babylon. If you're 17 in here, you, are, you're, you're, you can relate to being thrust into this incredible community that once you could do this, now all of a sudden it's not just wearing a mask, it's going in and saying, you can't worship God, you can't worship, you've gotta be able to bow down to everything else, you've gotta serve every idol everywhere, you've gotta bow down, and you've gotta be forced to, to be taught a different way than what you're known. All of the seminars, all of the Zoom calls telling you you've gotta think a different way, act a different way, bow to the cultural God, bow down to what's saying, otherwise you're not gonna last here. 
And this is what's happened. Esther did it. Esther, young women of God in this place, Esther did it. She was a queen. And you know what? You know what her advice was when she was struggling, going, how do I live as, as a woman of God in a culture just like Babylon, which is where Esther lives? Do you know what her advice was? For such a time of this, maybe God put you. Maybe God, maybe may God made you gra- graduate um, this year, Macy, so that you can go out and to be a difference, make a difference. Maybe God called you to, to be a college during this time, Noah, so that you can go out and you can be the leader God called you to be. There's something for such a time as this, you're necessary. For such a time of this, young professional, you're here and you're going, man, I don't even know. Why did I get the job? Because God's put you there, because you're probably supposed to stand out. You're supposed to be the accountant for the season that God's called you in. Who knows? You're supposed to go to Woodbury High School and wonder why am I in Woodbury High School? It's because you're supposed to be in Woodbury High School because you're an Esther. You're an Esther, young woman. You're an Esther. Because that's what God's called you to be in the do. So know your purpose. And so he chooses to eat only vegetables. He chooses not to consume the culture of the day. And I love what it says. God gave the chief of staff, meaning God gave the head Babylonian dude, gave both respect and he gained, he had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. That basically means that when he stood out for his faith, chose not to follow the ways of Babylon, the end result of that person in charge was, I actually respect you. I actually have an affection, like a, I love our relationship. When was the last time you've seen a Christian get up and take a stand for God? And when they take a stand for God, everybody in the office goes, yeah, crazy Christian, right? You're like, oh yeah, he doesn't relate to anybody. She doesn't have an ounce of grace. She's like, she's like that blonde girl from the office. What's her name? What's her name? (laughs) Angela. She's like Angela from the office. And you're going like, yeah, she's a stereotype. She's a character, of what it means to be a Christian in the workplace, man of God, woman of God. And yet here you are. And when was the last time that you were a Christian in the workplace, teacher? And people are like, I love Lisa. She's one of the best examples. I love Heidi. I love, I love Jesse. Because they, they, there's an affection, there's, an, there's a respect. And he didn't bow in his conviction, did he? He didn't bow. He chose because when you choose to choose, because when you operate and you realize I'm called to be a Daniel in this hour, in this season, God gives you the grace and watch what happens. Look at verse, Daniel 1, verse 17 to 21. I don't know if we got it up there. If not, take a look at God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding. That's you. Who wants better aptitude for understanding? of literature and wisdom. God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret meanings of visions and dreams. Wouldn't you love to go into, wouldn't you love to go into your Zoom call and say, I had this weird dream and you suddenly go and say, hey, guess what? I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm gonna have an idea of what that means. That's prophetically you. Maybe that's you. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them. No one impressed him as much as Daniel did when everybody else. Can you imagine all the astrologers that lived group Babylonish, all of the magicians growing up in Babylon, everybody growing up in Babylon, living Babylon life, doing Babylon life, driving Babylon cars, having Babylon food, doing Babylon everything. All of that, they're like, eh, been there, done that. There's something unique about these. I'm in, I've never been more impressed than anybody with them. 
So they entered the royal service. So whenever the king consulted them in any matter of wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them, get this, 10 times more capable than any of the magicians, enchanters in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Where are my businessmen out there saying, I want an employee that's 10 times more capable. I want that guy working for me. How about you be that person, young professional? How about you be that young, young leader? How about you be that in, in, your, in the financial industry, in the accounting industry, in the educational industry? What if, you had, what if you had a learning center in Hastings and you were 10 times better than the rest because God set you apart? Come on, 10 times capable. Man, God wants you to stand out. He took a stand. So here's the question. You're probably going like, I'm in. That's my kind of influence. Okay, so here's the question. Here we go. How to stand out when you feel the pressure to stand down. I'll give you four things that we should do in order if you want to be like Daniel. Number one, value your convictions over their opinions. You know what? There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of political opinions, social opinions, mask opinions, um, uh, opinions about what we should have, could have, would have done. You know what? You know what opinions are? Opinions are simply little wussy things that have no strength to them. Opinions are shaky. Opinions don't have an ounce of strength to them. Do you want to know what a conviction has? That's what you need. A conviction, you know what, the, you know what the, the, the meaning of the word conviction is? It's where you get the Latin word conquer. So that when you get convinced, the Latin word means you will conquer. So anytime someone has an opinion, your conviction takes it down like nobody's business. I always liken it to, I was liken it to Thor Ragnarok, that rock guy that is in there. And he's like, I kind of sort of started a revolt in the middle of, uh, in the middle, but I don't have enough pamphlets and kind of just forgot kind of how, if you even get that reference, I'm a Marvel fan. But you want to know what a conqueror does? A conviction comes in like Thor swielding your hand and saying, you, I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to fly around with my hulky self and my beautiful flowing hair and I'm going to change the world. That's what a conqueror doesn't, isn't wimpy. A conqueror knows what he is. And when you have conviction, you're a conqueror. Get some conviction. Get some conviction. Conviction has the power to overcome your real feelings, thoughts, and emotions about something and identify it as being true or not. The salvation of God connects us to Jesus, but the conviction of God keeps you with Jesus. Y'all get a conviction. Number two, be self-aware of your spiritual reputation. Be self-aware. If you want to know how to stand out when you're trying to stand out, you got to be self-aware of your spiritual reputation. I love that God did that with him. I love that Daniel didn't have to stand up in Christian protest with a sign trying to stand up to try to prove a point about who God is. He didn't have to. Daniel was self-aware enough to not be an Angela in the middle of Babylon, right? Daniel was aware enough to go and say, hey, you know what? I need to be able to, it's not about me getting up and, and, and going out and just blasting people. God is saying, no. God's looking at this thing. No, listen, there, you want to influence people. You want to influence people at the school. You want to influence people at your work. You want to influence people at Target. You want to influence people in the hospital at your school. You want to influence people at Edward Jones. That's what you want to do. And if you're going to do, influential Christians take into account three areas of their life to build a spiritual reputation. You need to be reasonable. You got to know what you believe. You got to have respect with other people and you got to be in relationship. You can't just hand someone a track and walk away. It doesn't work anymore. Might have back 30 years ago. 
Now you need relationship. Who are you building relationships with at work that you can influence? Who are you building relationships with outside of church that you can, you have to figure out what you believe about your faith. How are you influencing at work? First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Come on, hope dealer. Come on, hope dealer. That's you. When you go in and you're in Stillwater and you're walking around Stillwater, people ask, what is the, why are you so successful? Why, you're the one couple in Stillwater I see walk around that everybody knows because it's because you're, because you know the reason for the hope you have. You know the reason. That's why your, that's why your marriage is strong. That's why your relationship is strong. That's why your, your career is strong because you know the hope that you have. Number three, stop living countercultural and start living kingdom cultural. Come on, somebody. I said, stop living countercultural. Countercultural says this if you're for this, then you gotta be against that. Countercultural says, oh, if you if you voted this way, then you hate this thing. Countercultural says, if you believe one offense over here, then, then you clearly don't believe that. No, you need to live kingdom cultural, because kingdom cultural says it's not about this, it's not about that. It's about saying there's a better way. That there's a better way. That there's a better way for you to live. Because guess what? When everybody was fighting, when the Romans were declaring our way is right, when the, when, the, when, the, when the religious and the Jews were declaring our way is right, Jesus would say this. Jesus says, you heard it said this about the Romans. You heard it said this about the Jews. And Jesus says, I'm telling you there's a better way. I said there's a better way. And the better way is Jesus. How Jesus handled every single social issue is how we need to handle every single social issue that's in right now, that's going on in your culture, that what's going on. How did Jesus, Jesus modeled, he was perfect, and he modeled perfect humanity. He modeled perfect conflict. He modeled perfect engagement in the issue of Roman abuse as the police force, racial abuse. He modeled perfect. How do you handle, how do we handle conflict? How do we handle when children are being exploited? How do we handle social justice? He didn't say it's, it's not, it's my way or versus your way. He says there's a better way. So guess what? Write kingdom on the top of your notes and then draw a line and then write down in small all of the stuff that everybody's freaking out about. Because guess what? When you live kingdom, you live above it because that's the better way. And, and when you live countercultural, like we need to have a countercultural against this and this, then guess what? That, then, you're, then you're stuck down here in the drama. You're, you're in the drama, drama, crazy, cray cray. But when you choose to say, I'm a kingdom person, living by kingdom values, doing kingdom things, young person, young woman of God, young man of God, when you live kingdom, then you're saying, no, I'm choosing the way of Jesus because that's better. And I don't get swayed by who gets voted in, who gets not voted in. I don't get swayed by what my neighbors think about what they think about A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. They're gonna say, I just wanna know what God thinks about it. I wanna know what the truth of what God thinks about it. Because here's what Jesus says. I love what it says in John 18. Jesus says, my kingdom's out of this world. There's the problem. We're too focused on what's going on in the world. We're too focused on what everybody's thinking about the world. Jesus says, if... If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest. We'd be burning and looting the streets. We'd be burning stuff down, destroying things, fighting, getting shields up, pepper spraying. We'd be doing this, but now the kingdom, but Jesus says, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest if my kingdom was of this world, but now the kingdom is from another place. Come on, you can't, oh, this is black and white. You're a king, then Pilate said. Jesus says, you can say I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth 
Kingdom living, kingdom cultural living is saying, I choose the truth of Jesus, nothing else. It's so easy. I've never been more alive in my faith, never more on fire for my faith, never been more wanting to stand up. I'm praying for people in the middle of Erdak Craft Brewery, prophesying over people in the middle of a patio because I believe there's a purpose in their life. I don't give a rip of what people think. Now, am I spiritually aware of my situation? For sure I am. I'm very aware. My, the waitresses get big tips. They love me. And I've been, I prayed for the waitress before I prayed for the dude at my table so they know what I'm about. But I'm telling you, be, stop living countercultural, start living kingdom cultural. Lastly, choose to be in right relationship, then write about an issue. Choose to be in right relationship over being right about an issue. Are you kidding me? We focus so much on trying to be right, trying to choose. It's, everything has gotten so volatile. When was the last time? I think the last time I saw Jesus is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Austin Blumberg in the back, he's one of my students from youth, from so many, he does all of our tech, makes some noise for the tech booth, come on. We love you, Austin. All the amazing team back there every week. Otherwise, you don't get any of this. You don't get any of that. But Austin, you know what Austin's greatest evangelistic gift and his purpose of being a Daniel in the culture is his greatest gift is he loves people more than I think I've ever seen anybody love people. He's got a grace on his life to love people no matter what they're at, no matter what they believe, no matter where they're at. He chooses to love. And he would rather choose to be right in relationship. He's not concerned about trying to convince them about a, a, um, a, a spiritual opinion. He's gonna love them first. And then he's gonna lead them into closer to Jesus. Because isn't the goal about moving someone closer to Jesus than to get them to be theologically accurate? Isn't the goal about moving someone closer to Jesus than having them believe what you believe about, um, about any of the issues going on today? Of course, we know that it's about moving someone closer to Jesus. I love what Philippians 4 says. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. I said, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interests, but to the, each of you, look out for the interests of others. When was the last time you said, I'm more concerned about them than I'm concerned about me? When was the last time you stopped and looked at this and said, you know what, I'm more concerned about what, I wanna, I wanna care for them more than I care about myself, what I think about what I need to do, say, and feel, and act towards situations going on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna consider them. So you know what, maybe you're gonna do things you don't like to do. You're gonna wear stuff you don't like to wear. You're gonna be a part of something you don't like. You're gonna do something that is maybe for the benefit of them more than it is for uh, me. And you know what, you can still, and I love it. That's, how do you think Daniel stood out? He stood out when the pressure was stand down. He valued convictions over opinions. He was self-aware of his spiritual reputation. He stopped living countercultural, started living countercultural. And finally, he chose to be in right relationship over being right about an issue. That's how you end up being a Daniel that speaks to kings. That's how you end up being, that's how you being an Esther, being able to speak to kings. That's how you end up being, um, that's how your business thrives in the midst of a COVID situation. That's how, that's how, your, that's how your family survives and, and becomes one of the most potent places on earth for your kids to know God better, dads. When you choose to say, you know what, I'm not gonna focus, I'm not gonna have my house filled with, with, with the drama cray cray. I'm gonna fill it with Jesus. Because when I align with that, my kids see me loving Jesus and, and, and doing these very things, then you know what? You become 10 times more effective as a dad. Dad, speaking to myself, you become 10 times more effective as a mom, mom, wife, wife, husband, 
when you follow these things and these principles, you become 10 times more capable at fulfilling your purpose, finding your identity, being a pastor, being a dad, being a husband, being a mom, being a father, being a business owner, being a leader. You become 10 times more effective at that because that is what God's called you to do. And if we could just do that, watch God change. Watch God, you're gonna thrive in Babylon and you're gonna stand out and you're not gonna be stressed out. I'm not stressed out about standing out, zero. I don't get stressed out about standing up because I'm doing my best to align. I wake up every day saying, Jesus, it has to be you. I need to live like you, follow you. I need to, I wanna walk in kingdom. I'm gonna live um, trying to consider others better. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna stay in right relationship. I'm gonna choose to, when I do that, I don't get stressed out. That's why I prayed until two in the morning last night, pumped to preach. I've never been more excited about being church. I can't wait to come back next weekend. And you know what? It's going to be awesome because that's what God's called us to be. So are you ready? Are you ready to live different? Are you ready to live in a way that you've never lived before? And are you ready to watch kings wonder and wow? Are you ready to watch the unsaved people that don't know Jesus in your life, that don't know God in your life, that, that, that are living for Babylon? Are you ready to watch them go and say, rather than go and say, you do you? Are you, are you happy to watch them saying, hey, I want to know who you are because I like how you're living and you're, you're different than anybody else. Not just because you choose not to do something, you know, something silly and petty, but you're living the full life doing it. That's what God has for you. So let's stand to our feet. And before, I'm gonna pray. And if you are saying, I wanna stand out, I want God to use me. Come on, just put a hand up. Jesus, right now, you're seeing these hands up in this place saying that I wanna be used by God to stand out. For young, young professional, that's you. You got the job, you got, you're in college. Um, you're trying to get that young professional life. God's gonna anoint you. God's giving you that conviction that, that, that the businesses you're starting, when you're get, for you, some of you guys coming together, getting married, and you're just saying, how, do our, how does our entrepreneur life work? How do we, how do we just go, come on, I'm, I'm, we're calling out a strong conviction on you to be able to live differently, not out of fear, not out of, I guess I better not do this because I don't want, no, you're doing it because you love the fact that you are called by God to be in Babylon. You are determined, determined to be able to live where you know your purpose, you know your purpose, you know where you've been called and you're ready to live it out. I'm talking now, I wanna to talk to dads and moms and families, come on, dads and moms, you, you've got that purpose, you're determined, you're working it, the, how you're living, how you're choosing to live, we're calling you to that same level. We're saying, release it, God. Release it in the dads and the moms to live, grandpas and grandmas to live in a way where it's not just saying, don't do that, the Lord hates it. No, you're saying, listen, it's not about what we're against, it's what we're for, and we are for right relationship. We're for kingdom, to be kingdom culture shapers. We're in this to say God is about us being a family. We're called to be in Babylon and we're gonna do it different. Come on, God's using you. Come on, young Daniels youth, if you're a youth in here, if you've got a youth next to you, put a hand on them, put a hand on their shoulder. Yeah, come on, Jesus, use these youth right now. Use these Daniels. Use these Daniels. Come on, daughter of God. Come on, son of God. 
Come on, as we're praying for youth right now, God's called you to be a Daniel in this time. God's called you to be an Esther in this time. God has called you to be a Moses in this time where Moses stood out in Egypt. God's called you to be, to be able to be these young biblical heroes that are gonna stand apart and be used by God to make a difference. That hand on your shoulder, even if your, grand, if your kids aren't here and you're wondering, then just think of them, pray for them. My son's in the back going for it. Yeah, there's a hand on his shoulder right now. It's awesome. Thank you, God. We're calling all of our young Daniels, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's to, be, to stand out to stand out, not out of fear, but because they're so determined, they love God. They're so focused on loving God and and, and being committed to kingdom things that they're not freaking out. They're like, I can't wait to go to school. I can't wait to get with my friends. I can't wait to play video games with my friends and just see how God's gonna use me. Come on, we're calling out 10 times capable. We're calling 10 times the level. We're calling out 10 times better than your mom and your dad did. 10 times the leadership, 10 times better, 10 times more successful in faith and all the other things. 10 times more successful in, in all and in how they're living their life. We're calling them out. Come on, God, move in this house. This house is set apart. Thank you, God, that you're using us. And God, if there's anybody in this place right now, you would say with eyes bowed closed, you would say, I need to know Jesus. I'm in here today. I've never prayed the prayer. Just slip a hand up. We wanna pray for you. Jesus, we're calling in salvations today. If anybody here doesn't know God, we wanna pray for you. Just looking to see if there's a hand. Yeah, all right. I don't see a hand, that's okay, I'm asking. But Jesus, today we say use. Use our church, use our church, use our church, use our teachers. We're saying use the small business owners. We're saying use the businessmen in this church, use the business women. Thank you, God. Even my, my wife works in financial industry. We're just saying the financially, let it bounce back. Let it not fail. Let it keep going strong in Jesus' name. We're calling neighborhoods. We're calling out Daniels to own their neighborhoods. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. We love you. In Jesus' name, A to the man.